It's another quiet week in Washington, D.C. The start of classes in area school districts is clogging the roads again, but Capitol Hill is filled only with visitors, getting one last look at the monuments here before the official end of summer this holiday weekend. Transportation news has taken some time off, too. All is quiet in Congress as we march to Labor Day. This is Hard Facts. I'm Robert Johnson. With the break in the action, we're taking stock of the people who make up the cement and concrete industry. A few months ago, we profiled several members of the North American Concrete Alliance, but we didn't get to all of them before the legislative stove got hot. So we're playing catch-up now with Mike Phillips, the new president of the National Ready-Mixed Concrete Association. Here's the conversation about policy, traffic congestion, and mixing trucks. Now, when I think of ready-mixed concrete, I think of the big mixing truck with the spinning parts and all of the action, the big trough coming out of the back and the concrete going everywhere. That's what I'm talking about here, right? Isn't that what we're talking about here? You are thinking very, very well. There is a misconception, and I think that probably 95% of the public do not know the difference between a cement truck and a concrete truck. So what you described is a ready-mix concrete truck. So you were right on the money. When you said there's a difference, I thought maybe there was another vehicle. There's one, mm. there's one vehicle for delivering concrete to the job, and it's the one I'm talking about. Uh, there's more than one, but yes, the one that's typically used is the one you talked about, and it's a tanker that delivers cement to a concrete producer. So it's a longer, elongated truck uh, versus a spinning uh, ready-mix truck that you described. Did I get all of the parts right? Did I name them correctly? So far, so good. You're doing pretty well. I should be interviewing you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I played with a lot of toys that looked like that when I was a kid, so I had a lot of time to study them and watch them move while you push them along. It really is an iconic construction vehicle. Why do you think that is? We're not only in the logistics business, but we're in the manufacturing business, and uh, it is a perishable item. So after a certain amount of time, that concrete starts to set up. So you really do need to get it from your manufacturing site, your plant, uh, on the road, and uh, you need to agitate it. That's what the turning of the drum does. It agitates the concrete. And you have to get it to some place and offload it to the job site as quickly as you can. But it's a perishable item, which means that if you go too long, it starts to set up. And that's really the danger and, and the reasons why we are not only turning the drum, but the wheels are turning as well going down the road and getting to the site so they can offload it. You don't have a lot of time to get that mix to the site. It's measured in hours. And usually if you get above uh, an hour and a half to two hours, unless you've added some chemicals to it to prolong that setting time, uh, you're getting to the point where you need to do something with it because it's going to start to set up. And that could be an hour, that could be 30 minutes. It really does depend on the mix. Needless to say, then, your members are interested in what is going on to reduce traffic congestion everywhere in America. One of the biggest issues they have is to fight traffic going to and from their site to a job site. 
yes, they're very interested in reducing and eliminating obstacles that could get them to their job sites and offload their concrete faster. Now that we've covered all of the obvious points, uh, points at least that were obvious to everyone listening except yours truly, let's talk a little bit about your association, which people may not be familiar with. What do you guys do? Who are your members? Where are they located? Give us the 411. The National Ready Mix Concrete Association is a grouping of ready mix producers. So these are um, companies that produce concrete and put them in those trucks that we just described. It is a national organization, although we have members in Canada and uh, elsewhere around the world that have joined the NRMCA as we coined it. These are producers of all shapes and sizes. Uh, they're in every 50 states across the country, and they're all different sizes as far as the number of plants they have, the number of yards of concrete they produce. Every year, you've got some um, mom-and-pop companies. You've got some, which are sometimes small and medium-sized companies. You have medium to large, which could be regional players. Uh, or you have multinationals that are vertically integrated and uh, have cement production within their portfolio as well as aggregates production uh, within their portfolio. So a vertically integrated company, and many of those are the multinationals, the global companies, will have cement production, concrete production, and aggregate production, and they usually supply themselves some of that cement and some of those aggregates. Ultimately, though, it's a truly local business, isn't it? Because of the need to get the product to jobs quickly, you can't be far away from your customers. You're spot on, not only in the cement world, but in the concrete world even more so. I mean, the concrete world is, as we talked about earlier, you've got a, uh, a perishable item that needs to get offloaded in a very short period of time. So it is a local business. It does come down to local markets and local decisions, and that's the beauty of our business. Not one fit for everybody. Uh, every one of the markets that we're in is very unique and has its own challenges. Do you have any sense how many people work in this business that is your association? Yeah, I do know that we have over 400 members, company members, uh, within the NRMCA. Uh, and again, you can't really put a number on 400 times a certain number of people because of the size varies with each uh, of those members. But it's a significant amount. As a matter of fact, as we go up on the Hill and talk in terms of our business to uh, legislators, we try to talk to them as far as uh, the importance of our business, our association, our members in terms of votes. It's very, uh, a very impactful uh, association and membership. I assume it's thousands of jobs, though. Oh, it's tens of thousands of jobs, if not more. Let's talk about Washington, D.C. You're here in this area, as am I. So, you know, we're following what's going on over in Congress with all things transportation policy. What is on your association's list when it comes to thinking about wandering the halls of Congress? We have a government affairs staff. Uh, we work very closely with our sister company, the Portland Cement Association, to make sure that we are putting forth the best efforts. And many of the efforts within the NRMCA have to do with regulatory issues or um, other things that we want to stay on top of for our members to make sure that they are unencumbered by some of the regulations that could arise and have arisen in the past. So we are very, very focused making sure that we are on top of those issues, as well as, in my mind, it's a lot about 
creating the relationships, making sure that the legislators up on the Hill know who the concrete person is, when in fact we have to uh, have a dialogue with them about an issue that is facing our industry. It's really difficult to make an impact with legislators if they're seeing you for the first time and you're asking for a favor. In an environment like today, I think it's incumbent upon us to really get to know as many on both sides of the aisle as we can to help us anticipate and when we do anticipate and see issues that face our industry and our association and its members, we're prepared to have a a dialogue with someone who already knows us. I want to get into some of those issues you're following, but before we do that, when you're visiting members' offices, talking to staff, sometimes the members themselves, do you find they know much about this business? I think they know very little about our business, and that's what makes it very challenging. I'll I'll guarantee you most of them do not know the difference between cement and concrete trucks or cement and concrete in general. And it's an educational process that we go forth, and we're very good at walking them down the path of let me explain to you who we are, what we do, and why it's important to not only infrastructure, but also to all things that are related to construction and and to our society. The importance of concrete in our society is very understated and should be expanded quite a bit uh, from a societal standpoint. If people knew how impactful concrete is to our society, they'd know more about it, that's for sure. On the issue side of the coin, regulatory issues is how you described your agenda Is that working with Federal Motor Carrier on driver rules, safety regulations, that sort of thing? Is it that plus other items? What is it? Well, some of the issues that we face and some of the opportunities we have are things like hours of service. How many hours can a driver drive during a day? You know, the more flexibility that the regulations give the producer member, it allows them to have more flexibility when it comes to how they utilize their resources, their drivers. So we're keen on those types of things. That's just one example. I'm more interested, and this is what I've told Andrew Terrell, who is our uh, government affairs person, is make the relationships, anticipate some of what we may see down the pike, some regulations that you're hearing the drumbeat of, and let's get on top of it. Let's get ahead of it. I'm more concerned about what's coming down the pike than pressing issues today. I think we've got a more friendly regulation president, so we're not facing all too many huge challenges, but I want to make sure that if there are some coming down the pike, we anticipate them. Is there anything you're worried about right now that might be on the horizon? Well, there's always things. If if you talk to Andrew, he could probably serve up uh, a few of them better than I could, but As long as he's got his eye on the ball and as long as he has as close to a crystal ball as he can get from what is being said up on the hill and what the ebb and flow of some of the conversations, that's more what I'm concerned about. I assume you're also interested, though, in the funding side of this, because if we're building more roads and bridges, transit systems, you're delivering more concrete. No question. And, you know, the situation that we're in today with the transportation funding, uh, infrastructure funding, it is uh, frustrating uh, from a construction standpoint. I drive a lot on the roads across this country and see the issues that we are facing. 
it is frustrating because it should be a bipartisan issue. It's a safety issue. It's a uh, global competitive issue that, that we have the best infrastructure to be able to move goods and services uh, around this country. And seeing what's being done today, and I don't know if it's reluctance or if it's just the inability or the unwillingness to work together across the aisle to get this uh, very important issue solved is too bad. It speaks volumes of the condition of our Congress today. The revenue question is usually the one that holds things up, and gas taxes are on the lips of folks around here, you know, trying to figure out whether we should stick with a gas tax, whether we should raise it, whether we should try vehicle miles traveled, you know, all of these different ideas. It puts you in an interesting position because the revenue is necessary to do the projects, but your business is in many ways, focused on driving around with your product. How do you balance those two competing questions? Well, there are some necessary evils to the business that we're in, and part of that is transportation and fuel. We haven't made an official statement as far as the NRMCA is concerned about which vehicle should be the one to elevate as far as how do you pay for the spend that's required for a transportation bill. We're open to any ideas. We just think a dialogue should be started, and it just doesn't seem like there's a a dialogue at all. But it's not really a a paradox to us. I think we, um, we understand that there is a ticket to play for us to be in this industry, and that's we gotta pay fuel. We'd be very happy to pay more in fuel if the number of yards of concrete increased exponentially. We're willing to pay it if the business gets uh, grows, and, and a transportation bill will certainly allow that. Speaking of transportation, you transported yourself here to Washington, D.C. about five or six months ago from Houston, right? That's correct. Has Washington, D.C. lived up to its uh, billing? Are you finding it to be as... Uh, exciting as everyone thinks it is in the rest of the country? Well, from a personal perspective, it is very exciting to live so close to an area that has so much to offer. I'm a somewhat of a history guy, and I love to uh, walk through Arlington National Cemetery. I love to be able to walk along the monuments. Uh, I love to walk through the Smithsonian. There is so much to do. And when we have guests come in, which we have over the last few months, it's a huge menu of options. That's very enticing from a personal perspective. You know, from a business perspective, there's challenges that come with living around the D.C. area. You and I talked about the cost of living, and you've seen it and I've seen it. The road, the infrastructure here, leads itself to quite a bit of traffic issues. We just started school yesterday, and I don't think I've seen the traffic pick up too badly yet, but... Uh, I'm sure it's on the horizon. and Just uh, wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's on the horizon. It's been good. You would think with the condition of the roads in Washington, D.C., it would be easy to get an infrastructure reauthorization bill passed and onto the president's desk uh, because the roads here are pretty bad. It is really interesting you say that. Um, the first few months that I was here, I had a commute that took me from Arlington, Virginia, up the George Washington Parkway, right past the Federal Highway Authority, the FHWA. And uh, the stretch of road one mile before that exit and one mile after that exit was some of the worst roads I've ever traveled on. I mean, it was uh, was an asphalt piece and it was 
pockmarked and, and uh, a bunch of potholes and it was a rough ride. And, and then you see the sign for the FHWA exit. And I just, I always kind of chuckled about it and said, these people are driving on these roads to get to work every day. It's just an interesting uh, paradox, if you will. The roads are not great and um, certainly could be improved. I've lived here a few times, and the last stint I put in Washington, D.C., Ronald Reagan passed away. Mm. The roads were bad then, too. In fact, so bad that they repaved the planned funeral route so that his last ride up to the cathedral and back to the Capitol would not be bumpy, if you can believe that. I can believe it. How many years ago was that? I would say 10 or 11, maybe 12, something like that, yeah. I'm sure they haven't touched it since. (laughs) I've been on that route. I know which way they took his casket, and it was was nice for a while. And now it's back to the way it was before he passed away. So uh, even a president as great as Ronald Reagan can't get it done, uh, living or not living. It's it's an unfortunate (laughs) statement. Let's finish up with a really important question. I assume that in your office you have a shelf full of cement mixer models. Well, they're either in a box because we're moving next month and I haven't taken them out of the box, but I've got a few. Tell us your favorite. Who wins, Tonka or Matchbox? (laughs) I don't think either. I think the ones that the, uh, you know, a concrete producer will go out and there's a company and I, I, it's a great question. I don't know what the company is, but it's neither of those two. Mm. And they're identical to an actual ready mix concrete truck. And the models are, you know, something you can put on your shelf and they're very attractive and they've got the logos of the companies. And as a matter of fact, we're, we're trying to think uh, right now about uh, how do we incorporate all of those trucks from our members into our new office in Alexandria that we're going to be moving into in a month. So we're having a lot of discussions about that. It's a timely question. Apparently, I'm not hanging out in the right crowd if I'm still living in the Tonka toy section of the cement concrete mixer uh, model conversation. Listen, you met me you met me halfway. You got me with concrete <laughs> and cement. So I'm you're doing fine. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> well, uh, Mike Phillips, we appreciate you taking a little time to educate those of us who are not aware of your association about what it does, who it represents, what you're thinking generally about all of the fun and games going on here in Washington, and we wish you a good move to your new headquarters and success when Congress gets back to work here. Well, I do appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. We're back next week with more conversation about issues impacting the cement and concrete business on the only podcast covering the issues that matter to those helping build America's infrastructure. That's Wednesday, September 4th on Hard Facts, a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Robert Johnson, wishing you a happy Labor Day weekend.